You're listening to The Living Word with Danny Hodges of Calvary Chapel Fellowship in St. Pete. It is not how you say it. It is not how many words you use. It is not your level of theological understanding. It's your heart. God will respond to a groan of a heart that is broken and destitute and desperate quicker and more readily than he will respond to the one with all the theological degrees that can pray in a way that impresses the world. Religion has the ability to turn ordinary faithful men into haughty tradition-focused people. Sometimes the most religious and pious people have a faithless and dead soul inside. No matter how many fancy-sounding prayers you utter, if your heart isn't in the right place, God doesn't respond. Instead, as Pastor Danny will explain today, God is interested in your heart condition as you seek Him. If you pray with an earnest and sincere heart, desperate for God's presence, He hears you and will respond even if you have no fancy words. Now here's Pastor Danny in the book of Mark, chapter 7, as he continues his message, A Persistent Pagan in Need. extremely thankful for four gospel accounts. And even though we don't have all our questions answered, if you want to get the the picture that the Father has given us of what God looks like and acts like in a human body, look at Jesus. Read the gospels. And thank God we have more than one account. And it's helpful to have more than one account if we're going to get all out of what's happened here with this woman. And so go with me to a Different account of the same story, Matthew's account, chapter 15 of the Gospel of Matthew. And Matthew adds some detail that's very helpful in understanding what's going on. Verse 21, leaving that place, Jesus withdrew to the region of Tyre and Sidon. A Canaanite woman from the vicinity came to him crying out, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. My daughter is suffering terribly from demon possession. Now, what I want you to note is that she's using in the initial approach Jewish phraseology. That's not common for her. She doesn't go around talking about in her culture, in her environment, uh, Lord, son of David, Jesus, Lord, son of David. It's a Jewish phrase. She's, She's addressing him as the Messiah, but it doesn't work. Notice verse 23, Jesus did not answer a word. So his disciples came to him and urged him, send her away. For she keeps crying out after us. So in other words, get the scene. He doesn't answer. And so his disciples say, well, just tell her to get out of here. And he answered. He answered his disciples to the suggestion, just send her away. He says, 
I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. And you have to believe this woman's close enough to hear what he says to his disciples. But that doesn't stop her. The woman came and knelt before him. Lord, help me. I have to believe at this point if she wasn't crying, she is crying now. I don't know that, but I have to believe that. And now he replied, not right to take the children's bread and toss it to their dogs. Yes, Lord, she said, but even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. And then Jesus answered, woman, you have great faith. Your request is granted. And her daughter was healed from that very hour. She just takes Jesus at his word. She has no cell phone to call home and say, before I leave Jesus, could you tell me how my daughter is? She just believes him. Now we have the more detailed story. And we're going to really pick this thing apart. We need to, to really get out of it what the Lord has for us. In Matthew's account, the first thing I want you to notice is that when she initially comes and she cries out, Lord, son of David, help me. And she tells her, she tells Jesus what she's come for. My daughter, my daughter, the devil's got her. And he gives no response. She uses Jewish phraseology. She recognizes him. She dresses him as Messiah. And yet, I mean, this is something most people in Israel aren't doing. They're not recognizing him as the Messiah. Remember, they crucified him. But she comes publicly, openly, Lord, son of David, messianic title. And he doesn't answer her a word. If you look even casually in the four Gospels and look at Jesus' interaction with people, you will, you will note that what happens here is not normal. He's normally going out of his way for women in need like this, for people in need like this. A widow of name. The funeral procession is going on. They're carrying the coffin of her, of her child. And Jesus goes up to the coffin, lays his hand on the coffin, says to the child, get up. Child gets up. And he takes the child and gives the child back to his mother. Lepers who nobody in their right mind in that culture is getting anywhere near. Jesus is touching them. Lepers are coming saying, if you're willing, you can make me clean. He says, I'm willing to be clean. I mean, I'll tell you what I wrote in my notes. On the surface, it appears to be out of character with the clear declaration of the word of God as to God's nature of what Jesus is the perfect human manifestation of. Hebrews chapter 1. He is the exact representation of the Father. 1 John chapter 4 verse 8 very simply says God is love. 2 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 3 says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort. And yet... On the surface here, it appears to be out of character with that declaration. I'm doing some research, and I just stumbled on a religious site uh, looking for uh, something particular in my study of this passage in Mark and, of course, Matthew 15. And, and it's interesting, one of the things I found on a religious site in regard to this story. Let me read it for you. Overall, it's not a very positive picture of the Almighty God we're getting here. What we're seeing is a petty person who picks and chooses which people he helps based upon their nationality or religion. Uh, or religion. 
When combined with his inability to help people from his home area because of their unbelief, we find that Jesus doesn't always behave in an unreservedly compassionate and helpful manner, even when he does finally deign to leave some crumbs and scraps for the otherwise unworthy among us. One commentator who occasionally I read and I go, man, that's good stuff. I read his comment on this story and uh, I'm not going to mention his name. I'll still read him, but you know, he's much smarter than me. He writes commentaries and people actually buy them. But you know what he said? You know what he said about Jesus's initial response to this woman? Here's what he said. He said he ignored her. And again, you pay me to think deeply and long and to study texts like this to come and teach it. And I did. And when I really thought deeply and looked at the context of Scripture, and and, and it just didn't sit well with me, that God in human flesh would just ignore her. That maybe he's just offended because he's away trying to get some R&R. He goes outside of the boundaries of Israel just to get away. And now this woman comes and maybe he's just annoyed that she would have the audacity to interrupt him. Now, the commentator didn't say everything I just said. He just simply said, maybe he just ignored her. And I, in thinking deeply about that, I think that's just not right. That's not the God that I want to serve. That's not the God I see revealed in Scripture. He ignored her? I don't think so. James 1, verses 16 to 17, that God, every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights in whom is no shadow or variableness. In other words, uh, Hebrews 13, 8, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He doesn't change. He didn't get up, get up one day and say, I'm just kind of moody today. Don't come to me today, or I might not like it. So I strongly disagree that he ignored her. Where have I landed? Here's where I've landed. In the context of Scripture, especially when you think about one of the feedings of the thousands of people, John chapter 6, Jesus turned to one of his disciples, I think it was Philip if I remember right, and he said, where are we going to get food for all these people to eat? And what did Jesus say? You give them something to eat. And here's what that text tells us. He's the only gospel writer that tells us on that occasion that Jesus, Jesus said this just to test him because he already had in mind what he was going to do. And it's my firm belief, my firm conviction, he's not ignoring her. He's testing her. There's a big difference. In our microwave mentality, and I'm an American just like you, and I grew up here, and I, but sometimes our microwave mentality, while it's a blessing to be able to put the thing in there and put 30 seconds on it and get it back out and it's warm again or whatever, depending on what you put in there. But it takes very little time. And sometimes we go to God that way and we push the button and we say, I want you to, okay, it's been 30 seconds. Where's the the answer? And some people just give up and they walk away. And because they walk away so soon, they never discover a God that if you will not give up on him, you will discover a God that will never give up on you. I love what one commentator said, and I wish I'd have thought of it saying it this way, but This was not a punitive silence, but a purposeful silence. And after initially not responding to her verbally, she does not give up. And she continues to follow. And she continues to cry out. So much so that his disciples are annoyed and they say, just tell her to get out of here. And he turns to his disciples and I have to believe the woman heard what he said. He said to his disciples, as they suggested, just tell her to get out. Tell her to leave. 
And he says, I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. I believe he said that to test his disciples. Now that statement is true. Please, I just want to understand before we move on and continue to really unpack this thing. uh, Look, I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. That's a true statement. Jesus did not come in his first coming to evangelize the world. Verses, ton of them, Romans 1, 16, Romans 2, 9 and 10, Acts 15, 16 and 17. Uh, lots of verses talk about Jesus, God the Father, sending Jesus to Israel. His revelation of himself is through the Jewish people. Not because he loves Jews more than other people in the world. No, for God so loved the world. But it's a plan. It's a pattern. And he could have picked anybody he wanted, but he picked a man named Abram, changed his name to Abraham. Father, exalted father, Abram, Abraham, father of many. And through you and through your seed, all the nations will be blessed. But he's a beginning of a race of people we call Jews. Jesus is Jewish, always has been, always will be. In this glorified state, you won't be able to tell his race. But without his glorified state, he'll always be in a Jewish body. He's Jewish. I have a Jewish Savior. Because God revealed himself to the Jewish people. He gave the covenants. He gave the law. And he gave the Messiah. There's a plan. There's a pattern. to The Jew first. Jew first, that's where the scriptures I just threw out to you say, Jew first and also to the Gentile, not one or, no, both, but the plan, the pattern, the Jew first. And then through the Jew, the revelation of Messiah to the whole world for God so loved the world. That's all he means by that. I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel, but through Israel for all men. And again, I have to believe she hears this, but that also does not stop her. The Jewish phraseology doesn't work. He doesn't answer her a word. The disciples saying, just tell her to go away. Tell her to get rid of her. That doesn't work. Even after he says, I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. But that doesn't stop her. And she keeps pursuing. And it was after he said this that we read, the woman came and knelt before him. And now there's no Jewish phraseology. And she's not trying to get her words correct. Now in utter brokenness. In utter desperation, she falls. She falls before him. And she just cries out, Lord, help me. I have to believe if she was not crying before, she's crying now. And you would think at this point, Jesus would turn and say something like, God bless you, daughter. And he'd reach out and do something. But even with her bowing before him, and I believe, I believe crying out with everything she has within her, and I believe with tears running down her face, that's when, that's when Jesus says, not right to take the children's bread and toss it to their dogs. And again, you just read that casually, and you don't understand what's happening, and you walk away going, oh, that's not the Savior I want. But here's what we need to understand. When he says that, It's proverbial language. Now, if you're like me, for many years, I turn to my wife and say, what does proverbial mean? Proverbial very simply means familiar. It's proverbial language. Not just to the Jew, but to Gentiles, especially Gentiles in the area around Israel. 
It's proverbial language. In other words, she knew exactly what he meant by that statement as she's kneeling, as she's broken before him, and he says it's not right to take the children's bread and toss it to their dogs. She knew exactly what he was saying. Revelation 22, verse 15, describing a future day when all of us who know Christ will be with him, and there'll be an eternity of those of us who know him that's out of this world, literally, it's just unbelievable. And we're going to live with him forever and ever and ever in new bodies and never die again and never cry again and never have pain again. It's just going to be glorious. And all those who aren't saved and didn't receive him, whether before uh, Old Testament, uh, No Testament, New Testament, you didn't believe in his soon coming or his future coming or you don't believe that he did come and you didn't receive him and then you're going to be outside. And here's what it says. Here's what it says. Verse 15, outside are first, first listed outside are the dogs, those who practice magic arts, sexual immoral, murderers, idolaters, etc. those who are lost, those who never received a Savior and never got the cleansing from his sacrifice. Outside, first listed, outside of the dogs. I deserve nothing, but I beg you, help me. And it's at that point, it's at that point that he says, woman, you have great faith. Your request is granted. And without a cell phone to call home, and without any physical evidence that what Jesus said was true, she takes him at his word. And she turns and she walks away. Man, what a story. Man, what a Savior. I'm going to go back through it one more time, whether you like it or not. And here it is. Her initial approach. It is not how you say it. It is not how many words you use. It is not your level of theological understanding. It's your heart. God will respond to a groan of a heart that is broken and destitute and desperate quicker and more readily than he will respond to the one with all the theological degrees that can pray in a way that impresses the world. It's not the quality of your words or the quantity of your words. Jesus said, when you pray, don't be like the pagans who keep on babbling. Because they think they'll be heard because of their many words. It is not the quantity or the quality. It's your heart. And then there's Jesus' initial silence. If you don't hear his voice right away, or you don't get the answer that you would like immediately, are you going to give up? If you give up, you'll never discover the God that loves you like nobody else loves you. And yes, he will at times test us. And please don't allow the microwave culture of our country that we live in cause us to turn away when we don't get it, when we think we should get it or the way we should think we should get it. You search for me, God says, as for silver. You seek me as you would hidden treasure and you'll find the knowledge of God. Don't give up. Verse after verse after verse. I got a whole page of verses, whole page of verses, not even all the verses of encouragement to not give up. Keep on. Matthew 7, keep on seeking, keep on asking, keep on knocking, and the door will be open. Don't give up. And then there's her persistence. And very important, her acknowledgement of her spiritual condition. Look, 
I could go on with this one. Let me just say, I think this is a lot of people's problems. I think, I think even people that really are saved and really are born again, this is a real issue with them because they haven't come to the place like Isaiah finally did where he saw the Lord high and lifted up and he said, woe is me, I am undone. I am a man of unclean lips and I live among a people of unclean lips. Sometimes we're like the, the Pharisee that stood up that Jesus told about at the temple and the tax collector was at least within eye shot, probably earshot, and the Pharisee said, oh God, I thank you that I'm not like other men, adulterers and murderers and tax collectors, like this tax collector here. I'm not like him. The tax collector wouldn't even look up to heaven. He beat his breast and he said, oh God, oh God, have mercy on me, a sinner. If you've never seen yourself the way God sees you, you need to come to a place where you really see God and his holiness and you'll see yourself the way you really are. Because without him, we're done. We're consumed in his wrath without his mercy and without his grace. Listen, we deserve hell. And if you've never come to that place, I pray, the Holy, I pray the Holy Spirit through this message brings to light the truth about the condition of our heart. Because we're bankrupt, destitute without him. And if even Christians would come to the place, they see on a regular basis the, the sinfulness of their own heart, it changed the way you worship. You wouldn't worship half-heartedly. You wouldn't do anything half-heartedly for the Lord. I think this is crucial to the expression of our life for the Lord and in terms of living a life that's full of the Spirit over and over again. We're bankrupt. And then there's Humility because of her understanding of who she is. Deserve nothing, am nothing. And she humbled herself before him. David, a man after God's own heart, but a man with a heart just like us too, that's susceptible to sin and was conceived in sin. And, and David became proud. David became an adulterer. David became a murderer. And when confronted with his sin and in waywardness, he writes this from Psalm 51, you don't delight in sacrifice or I'd bring you. You don't take pleasure in burnt offerings. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, oh God, you will not despise. Those two words, broken and contrite, mean broken, absolutely wrecked. And contrite very simply means repentant. And that's the kind of heart God says, okay, he will come close to you when your heart is like that. And finally, her faith. She just believes him. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. For perhaps many of us, it's maybe after a word like this from the scriptures, it's just getting along with God, getting along with God. And I encourage you to do that. Seek him, pour out your heart to him. Maybe somebody's here and you say, I just need, I need right now. I just need to pour up my heart right now. And if that's you, could I encourage you strongly? Don't let any intimidation, what anybody else thinks around you, don't let them keep you from seeking the Lord. And that, that word from the Lord applies in so many situations. You may be a mother, you may be a father, and you have a child or children they are in great need, and you need to really just seek the Lord on their behalf. But it applies in so many situations. Maybe, maybe the Lord's shining a fresh, a fresh 
light of the Holy Spirit in your heart and you're realizing, wait a minute, I'm, I'm so convicted of my sin, my wretchedness. And you need to come before the Lord and just say, oh God, please forgive me for any kind of pride, any kind of self-righteousness. Whatever your situation is, just seek the Lord. Thanks for joining Pastor Danny today as he walks us through the book of Mark. This New Testament gospel book conveys a fast-paced progression of events that occurred during Jesus' ministry. It's almost as if the writer intended to communicate that Jesus was continually forward-thinking toward the cross and his mission and purpose here on earth. In Mark 10.45, it says, Even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life a ransom for many. This is the ultimate summary of the book of Mark. Jesus came humbly as a servant to reach the lost. Are you feeling lost today? Or have you been found and are following Jesus fully now? No matter what your answer is, we'd love to hear from you. Our email address is info at ccfstpete.church. Let us know how you heard about the living word and how we can be praying for you. That address again is info at ccfstpete.church. If you're in the St. Petersburg area, come join us and hear from Pastor Danny at Calvary Chapel Fellowship. We're holding services each Saturday at 6 p.m. and Sunday mornings at 9 and 11 a.m. You'll find all the information you need on our website, ccfstpete.church. Thanks for tuning in, and we hope that you'll join us again for our next edition, right here on The Living Word.